Masks. Are you wearing one when you go out? As COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, masks are likely to become a big part of our day-to-day life. They can help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But how do they affect the way others see us? Or how we see ourselves? What kind of communication challenges will we have? From the Montreal Gazette, I'm Anik Baudin, and this is 10-3. I'm joined today by National Post health reporter Sharon Kirke. We will be talking the psychology of masks. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm good, Minik. How are you doing? I'm okay. The warm weather that we're getting in Montreal now is making this a bit more bearable, so not as bad as it's been in the past. (laughs) I know. I'm looking out my window, my little writing room window, and it looks absolutely glorious out there. And uh, I hope to be able to enjoy some of it at some point today. (laughs) So Sharon, let's talk about masks today. Teresa Tam, Canada's chief public health officer, she now says that we should wear masks when we leave the house, when we can't be sure that we can stay six feet away from other people. Could you talk a little bit about how the advice around mask wearing has changed over the last couple of months and and why it's changed? There's been a pretty significant about face on the messaging around masks. So initially, Dr. Tam offered a bunch of reasons why she thought people who don't have symptoms of COVID-19 shouldn't wear masks when they leave their houses. She worried that there would be a run on surgical masks that you know are needed by the frontline doctors and nurses. She said it would give people a false sense of security, meaning that they'd maybe stop physical distancing or washing their hands regularly. And she also worried that wearing a mask could make things worse because people would be touching their face more often, touching their faces when they take the mask on and off. Mm -hmm. The first kind of pivot from that advice came back in early April when Dr. Tam then suddenly proclaimed that wearing a non-medical mask is in fact, you know, an extra measure you could take to protect others around you. And she said at that point that it'd become clearer that pre-symptomatic people could spread the virus days before they actually develop symptoms. And there was also more evidence that some infected people who never develop symptoms can spread the virus, what's known as asymptomatic transmission. Mm-hmm. But that was a suggestion and, you know, it was a suggestion that, hey, it's an added measure if you want to take it. But yesterday, the suggestion became more of a recommendation. Tam said that provincial and territorial medical officers of health were going to be issuing new guidance that recommended people wear masks, wear physical distancing was going to be difficult. So for example, public transit or shopping in stores. But she didn't go as far to say she was suggesting mask wearing be mandatory like some jurisdictions have done in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And again, she also stressed, you know, masks alone aren't enough. People still have to keep physical distancing. So before this COVID-19 outbreak, when you'd see someone wearing a mask, you'd often think that maybe they were sick. But now when more people are wearing them, how would people perceive someone in a mask? Well, you know, I talked to Molly Rubin about that question, and she's an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Maine, and she's working on this very cool project looking at how our perceptions and biases of people change when we see someone in a mask. And so she's collecting selfies from people with and without masks on. And she told me that, you know, in normal circumstances, like you just mentioned in Western cultures, if we saw someone in a mask outside of a hospital, you know, it usually meant the person was vulnerable for an infection. The person might have had a compromised immune system, for example, or meant that 
the person was sick and maybe contagious themselves. Mm-hmm. She said that mask before COVID-19, it kind of made us feel more concerned for others. You know, they elicited this empathy. Now she's not so sure that masks are doing that. Instead, she has this thinking that she thinks that we're masks are creating this sort of artificial in-group, out-group divide, right? If you're wearing a mask, you see others wearing them as part of your group in the sense that, okay, we're in this together. We share the same values and beliefs. Mm-hmm. And if you're not wearing a mask, if you are wearing a mask and you see someone not wearing one, you might be more likely to sort of question this person's habits, you know, mm-hmm. how safe are they, how safe are they being? Or you might think, oh, yikes, he or she might be a carrier, so I'm going to really keep my distance from this person. And it might make us want to retreat, right, or not feel connected. That's interesting. Can we talk a bit about how important facial cues are in day-to-day communication? Because that's something that we're going to lose, right, when we're wearing masks. Again, Molly, who studies nonverbal communication, she's been really interested in looking at how half the face, especially the mouth part, gives us, you know, so much important information about emotion. And research shows that the eyes and the mouth area are particularly important for day-to-day communication. You know, of course, we speak through our mouths, so that's one obvious thing. But mm-hmm. others have also written recently about how humans, how we've been sort of hardwired through evolution to lock on to faces. There was this really interesting piece in Psychology Today a couple of weeks ago by a British psychiatrist and author He talked about how we process mental state of people around us by analyzing their facial expressions. So he put it this way, there's a clear survival advantage in noticing from a frown that someone's getting angry with us (laughs) long before they throw a a spirit dump us as lovers. I I love that quote. (laughs) And he also talked about this study out of Germany, which was really interesting, where researchers had a bunch of faces and the faces were expressing different emotions. And they hid those faces behind a mask of 48 tiles. And those tiles were uncovered sequentially, you know, one at a time. Mm -hmm. And they found that people mostly relied on the eyes and the mouth regions for successfully recognizing an emotion. So we recognize sadness and fear from the eyes. And we tend to recognize happiness and unhappiness from the mouth. So again, you know, we get different things from different parts of the face. Hmm. Let me just ask you about how people feel when they wear a mask in public for the first time. Like some people say that they feel awkward or it feels a bit weird. How does wearing a mask affect how people see you and, and how you see yourself? Again, it was interesting, and I'll go back to Molly Rubin from the University of Maine, because in our interview, it was really interesting. She was very frank with me, and she said, you know, the moment I put on a mask, and she wears masks when she goes outside to shop, she said her demeanor changes, like, instantly. She just, she said, I just shut down completely, pretty much. Hmm. And for her, it's as if blocking the lower half of her face makes her feel, as she said, colder somehow, because she can't express, you know, the cues she wants to. For example, she'd normally smile at someone she passes in the grocery store, but she doesn't behind the mask. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because she's, you know, hurrying to get her groceries done and she wants to get out as fast as possible. Yeah. But she does think it does affect the self, that the effect just isn't on the perceiver side. So when we look at the perceiver, so when we see someone wearing a mask, or when we see someone who isn't wearing a mask, uh, because right now, you know, it's fairly common to see a lot of people in masks. Mm-hmm. When we see someone who isn't wearing a mask, we might be wondering, like I mentioned before, what's that telling me about their habits? 
or how safe they're being or not being, but we might also make judgments, right? We might make judgments about this person depending on our age or our race or our gender. And Molly is exploring how when we see someone in a mask, how that changes our perceptions of things like their warmth, their competence, and even their intelligence. Now that masks are being encouraged in public settings, how do you think this could affect how we interact with each other? It seems like there's a nonverbal communication problem, but are there ways to get around those kinds of problems? Yeah, well, when we can't see someone's mouth move, right, we have a harder time understanding them. So now more than ever, we need to exaggerate those cues, right? We need to, how loud we're speaking. So we need to speak a little louder. We need to speak clearly in how we say it. But also try to connect with others in other ways. So, you know, nodding at people when we walk outside or pass them in the grocery store or, you know, smiling behind your mask and maybe your eyes smile. But I did have this interesting email exchange with a researcher at the University of Lathbridge, uh, Javed Sader, who's an assistant professor of psychology. And he did this really interesting study where they showed people a bunch of photographs of faces and some of the faces were slightly blurred and others were kind of half hidden, but they were hidden not horizontally the way, you know, mass does, but vertically. So the left side of the face or the right side of the face was hidden. Mm-hmm. But what they found was that hiding half the face increased its attractiveness to others. So they said that 50% less face produces 40% more attractiveness, which is really interesting. And others have said that when faces are partly obscured, you know, maybe it forces our brains to fill in the missing features, sort of the missing parts. So it's not clear if that would apply to wearing a face mask. But Javid said to me that, you know, the upper half of the face, especially the eyebrows, are often underappreciated. And that in some ways, we're probably in much better shape to still have our eyes, you know, especially our eyebrows, he said, Mm -hmm. visible when we're wearing masks, even though the mouth area is lost. He said it would be, and I love this, he said it would be a mess to try to figure out a number of social interactional features based on cues, you know, purely below the nose. He said he'd rather have a mask from the nose down than from the nose up like like Zorro (laughs) in terms of social interactions because, you know, and he said everyone, for example, still recognizes him in the grocery store at a distance because they can see his eyes. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just change uh, gears for a minute and talk about how masks are controversial. We're seeing in some places where people see them as an infringement on their freedoms. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, there have been some pretty, really horrific responses to mandatory mask policies. In Michigan, that's a state where there have been small, but you know, even armed protesters demonstrating against stay-at-home orders. Mm-hmm. A security guard at a family dollar store was shot dead after he asked a customer to wear a face mask. And Michigan has mandated face masks for anyone entering, you know, stores or other enclosed public spaces. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks ago, the legislators in Oklahoma had to reverse an emergency order mandating face coverings for stores after some of the employees were threatened with violence. So, you know, some see it as kind of this forced conformity, but Health groups like the Ontario Medical Association this week issued some recommendations as we start to reopen about what we need to do and, you know, to do it safely. And they said that even if masks prevent just a small amount of transmission of the virus that causes COVID-19, you know, a lot of lives could be saved. So Mm -hmm. 
even if some people see this as an infringement on their civil liberties, sometimes we do have to give up our individual civil liberties for the greater good. How important are masks to plans to relaunch economies? Teresa Tam said yesterday at that daily briefing, masks are this extra layer of protection, right? As we start to go out into the community more, as the restrictions start to lift, as more people go back to work, as more people ride public transit, you know, as more people shop in stores, we should be thinking of mask wearing as, you know, I'm protecting you and you're protecting me. Mm-hmm. And Tam talked about how we've stopped or decelerated the epidemic wave and how the really tried and true public health measures are still about, you know, finding people who are infected, tracing their contacts, isolating and quarantining them, plus hand washing, plus physical distancing. But masks become more important, I think, as we start to reopen and people aren't staying at home as much as before. So it's all about how do you go out and how do you go out safely? Mm-hmm. So Dr. Tam is stressing that we still need to be vigilant, that even as we reopen, everyone has to keep practicing you know, physical distancing and that we're going to have to keep doing that for months. But we have warmer weather now, and as summer comes, is there a risk that people are going to become complacent, that you know, they're going to think, well, things must be safe now because we're reopening? What's the danger if people don't take the risks as seriously as they should? Yeah, there is some concern that we could see sort of growing frustration with all the restrictions, especially as the days go get warmer. You know, people miss their families. They miss their friends. Yeah. They, they want to hang out at the beach or a pool. They want to gather on the dock you know, with a couple of drinks. And so <sighs> the risk is that if we become more relaxed about following the guidelines, then we allow the virus to get another foothold, right? We allow the virus to start spreading again, and we'll see new flare-ups, we'll see new outbreaks, we'll see new clusters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a report earlier this week that 100 million people are now back in lockdown in Northeast China because of a new cluster of just 34 cases. And here in Canada, there's every expectation that we will see a second wave of COVID-19. And until we get a vaccine, we're probably going to see, or we at least might see, multiple waves. And so health leaders say we need to protect the progress we've made and stay steady. And we need to prepare for a second wave in the fall or the winter. And so we need to still adhere as much as possible to those public health measures, you know, stay two meters apart, wash your hands a lot, avoid touching your face. And now, you know, wear a mask when you go outside. Let me ask you, Sharon, do you wear a mask when you go outside? I do, Manik. I wear a mask as soon as I, if I go grocery shopping or I go to the pharmacy or I go to buy some wine. Um, I don't wear a mask when I'm running outside and exercising. It's something I'm struggling with because, you know, I find it even when I'm wearing the mask, as I'm sure most people do, it gets kind of warm very quickly. And I can't imagine running with a mask. I think I'd want to rip it off after a few minutes. But, you know, I'm kind of looking at that. What I do do, though, when I'm running past someone, I will bring up my arm and cover my face. And um, so I am doing that. What about you? Do you wear a mask? I do wear a mask when I'm going out to places where, you know, I know I'm not going to be able to stay six feet apart from other people. So, you know, in a grocery store, in a pharmacy, that kind of thing. I also don't wear one when I'm running mainly because it's not super crowded around my house and the places that I do run. But it's something I'm considering for as the summer kind of approaches when more people are going to be outside. If if our sidewalks are super crowded, I probably will. But I don't think I'm going to enjoy wearing it when I'm running. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, good that we're still running, right? <laughs> right? We're keeping active and we're keeping mentally well because it's so, so vital to, to do that. Yeah. Listen, Sharon, thank you very much for this. My pleasure, Manik. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Sharon Kirkey. I'm Manik Bodang. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.